scripture for the year. It says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Amen. Uh, I haven't uh, researched it myself, but a minister said that there is over 2,100 scriptures on finances and material possessions in the, in the word of God. So I know the Bible has a lot to say on finances, and to be honest with you, uh, a lot of churches don't say anything. You know, for us, we believe that you should prosper and be in health. Third John 2 says, Beloved, I pray above all things that you prosper and be in health. So we believe the word of God, that God, your heavenly Father, wants you to be healthy and he wants you to prosper. And prosperity doesn't just mean finances. It means your relationships. It just means enjoying life. John 10.10 10 says that Jesus came that you may have life to the full, one translation says, until it's running over. Until it's running over. And so uh, I think the problem is a lot of uh, Christians know that you should prosper, but they just don't know how. Schools teach you to get a good job. But they don't teach you to get your money to work for you. And it's unfortunate because I think that should be taught from middle school on up through college that you should learn how to get money to work for you. And the Jewish culture, they know how to do this. And that's why Jews prosper all over the world. No matter where you plant them, they prosper because they, they understand about money a lot better than just about any other culture. So... Uh, there's not a hundred different ways to make money or get money to work for you. We call it passive income. There's not a, a, a hundred different ways. But uh, God wants us to be a good steward. There's stewardships taught in the Word of God. And he wants you to be a good steward of your finances. You should know about your finances and know how to be a good steward. So the passive ways or the, to have passive income is, number one, is rent from real estate. Number two, profits from a business, if you have a business, dividends from stock, interest from bonds and CDs, royalties from songs or books, commissions from insurance, earnings from the internet, income from uh, multi-level marketing, and then trust God. Hello. Trust God in all of these, but... Uh, if this, and listen, I've said this all throughout this series, you say, you know, I just, I'm not into all of it. That's fine. That is fine. And if you disagree with this teaching, that's okay too. Just saying. I disagree with myself sometimes, and I don't even offend myself, so there. <laughs> but I feel like, I just feel like this. Pueblo. Is a town, if you're not familiar with Pueblo, if you've not been here for a long, long time. I know people don't mean this, but uh, people from other cities, I won't mention which two, but um, they look down on Pueblo. I've even had people, when I go to these conferences, and they say, oh, where are you from? I go, I'm from Pueblo. They go, oh, <laughs> you don't need a gift and interpretation to know what they're trying to say to you. You know what I'm saying? And I just feel like God says, Mike, you just get people to believe it, and I'll change Pueblo. <clears throat> you just get people to believe this, and I'll change Pueblo. Amen. 
You live in Pueblo. You better be amen in this. So. But I believe God wants our city to prosper like never before. I believe that with all of my heart. And um, I believe these are ways that, that you can prosper. I believe that uh, we need to have our renewal of our mind. Did you know the Jewish culture is this, is that when they believe that, they believe that when they work and get a job, that they become partners with God Almighty. And in that partnership, they work and their work becomes a holy thing unto the Lord. It's not just they're punching the clock. They have a different mentality that they're working unto God with all of their strength, with all of their might. They're doing it as unto the Lord. And so uh, they have a different mindset that they are partnering with God and making money to make a difference. They are partnering with God to make a difference in making money. So, uh, and let me just say this, that, you know, when you give, I believe it's symbolic in, in the Old Testament that uh, when they presented a sacrifice on the altar, that the fire of God came down upon the altar and consumed it. The fire of God fell upon their sacrifice. It was well-pleasing unto God. Now, thankfully, I am so glad that God put me in 20... 21 in this century then because you know I can't imagine cutting guts out of an animal I know there's some hunters in here I respect you and I'm thankful for you but I don't even like watching that stuff much less doing it you know what I mean all of that's just real close to rated R pushing rated X for me but uh, uh, I just don't like that and so I'm just so thankful that I can give unto God without cutting up some animal and, and doing all of that aren't you can I hear anybody say amen to that and uh, But God would accept it by his fire coming down and bringing the fire and consuming it unto himself. And I believe that was symbolic that when, every time we give, we need to have the mentality that I'm giving this unto God. I'm really just not filling out a religious square uh, uh, of my offerings or my tithes or anything I do for people. I'm not just helping people because, you know, this is what we're supposed to do. No, we do it as unto God. We're doing this unto the Lord. And so uh, one area that we like to help any kind of people, but I, I do, I will say this. We, we do not like to be conned. I know there's been people who find out that we help people, and they, and they try to push the limit on that. And uh, I try to be led by God, but there's a lot of people I just said, no, we're not, we're not going to. And uh, so uh, I believe that you have to be led because people will take, try to take advantage of you. But one area, we try to help people. We do. But we also are big in missions. We always want to give overseas. Uh, we, one of our biggest missions is the Hagemeyer Ministry. They're building a college. They have a, a school, first or kindergarten through 12th grade, over 1,200 students. They have a Bible school, and uh, now they're building a college, and we always want to be part of that. So that's a big thing. But this, you, if you took notes, or you, I think it's in the notes online, uh, those eight areas of where you can get it involved with your money is that uh, you need to cause yourself to be valuable in the marketplace. You say, well, I just don't know what to do. The first step that I tell everybody is for you to become valuable, which means you need to learn one of those. If you, th- let me repeat myself. If you want to pursue this, if you don't, 
That's okay. Don't anybody feel guilty and go, you know what, this message, it's just, I don't have any desire to do that. That is fine. The first time that Billy Epperhart uh, told me back 15 years ago, he told me about this. He invited me up to his church up in, in Denver. I spent the whole day with him, morning till night, evening. And uh, he said all of it. He t- was trying to tell me about real estate and, and that um, he was a multimillionaire back then, almost 15 years ago. Well, before that. And I just went, uh-huh, uh-huh. I got my truck and came on back and to Pueblo. go, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And it was fine. God didn't run my truck off the road. You understand? So it's fine if this is not your desire. But I feel like it needs to be taught for one or two things. One is that if, if it's something that you're not aware of, at least you get that fluffed up inside of you. You go, well, I'm going to pray about that. And then there's other people that you feel like, man, you know what? This, honey, we're supposed to do this. We are supposed to do this. I believe that God raises up people to finance the kingdom of God. Hmm. Don't make me preach louder. I said, I believe God raises up people to finance the kingdom of God. There's going to be people. There's going to be people who have no desire to do what I'm talking about, and God still wants to bless them. How is that going to happen? He's going to cause somebody to, you can't give what you don't have, but he can cause people to be raised up in finances. And God says, I want one of my children down there that don't have any faith for this. They don't have any desire for this. They have no revelation to this, but yet I still want to bless them. How's he going to do that? He will not rain down money from heaven, but he'll cause somebody over here to prosper to its overflowing and says, I want you to give to this one over here. I think that's a great plan. I think that's a great plan. You know why? Because it's the goodness of our Heavenly Father. He's a good God. He's a good God. So um, start working on yourself because you need to be more valuable if this is one of the things. And I I just want to say this one little thing because I was rushing out of here. This was for last week's notes. But intrinsic value, that's something that um, what is something is worth at its core is what they call that. And it's a measure of what something is worth, and how can you measure something uh, that's a standard, that is a standard? Well, historically, the best measure has been the price of gold, the price of gold. Now, there's been times that gold price has been overpriced, but generally speaking, throughout the last hundred years, uh, it's been the measuring stick, and so uh, a suit of clothes. Now, I know we're talking about a real nice suit, we're not talking about going to Walmart and getting a suit like this. But a suit of clothes over the last hundred years is basically one ounce of gold. You can get a top-notch suit. Right now, gold is over $1,700 an ounce. But, so that's been for the last hundred years. Uh, you say, well, I've never paid $1,700 for a suit. That's all right. They sell them for a lot more than that. Over the last hundred, 75 to 100. But when it comes to houses, over the last hundred, 75 to 100 years, it's been, this is, we're talking macro, the big picture. Now, real estate, you know, you, if you watch the news or some program, they say, oh, the, the real estate market in the United States, and to be honest with you, you, you can't take any of that, that kind of figures because real estate is city to city, even county to county, and even in between, it's a micro thing that you have to look at. But basically speaking, if you want to take an overall picture and never overspend for a house. It's 200 ounces of gold for the last 75 to 100 years. 
200 ounces of gold. And it's roughly $1,700 an ounce. That's roughly $340,000. You can't even buy a two-bedroom house in Denver probably for that. But the median price for a home in Denver is $500,000. We're pushing $500,000. And so I said a little bit about this. If, if you're interested in real estate, it's, you'll never overspend for an investment property if you find out the median income. You can ask Siri, Google, ask any of these people that will talk back to you. And ask them what the median, median, not the average, but the median. Median takes out all the highs, takes out all the lows. And it's called the median price. You can take the median uh, income for any city and never spend more than two to four times the median income. So the median income in Pueblo, let's say it's 50000 I haven't looked it up, but let's say it's 50000 You never will overspend if you spend two to four times the median income, which would be 200000 Does that make sense? So it's different for every town because the median income is different for every city. So if you spend two to four times the median income, you'll never over, uh, over, uh, over spend, overpay. <laughs> that word just went blank. You won't pay too much for a house. All right? And if you're looking at investment property, if, you, if it rents, the most important question that you ask anybody is not how much that house costs, but how much will it rent for? So if it rents, you want it to rent for 1% of the price you paid for it. So if it's a $100,000 house, you want it to, to rent for $1,000. It's a $200,000 house, you want it to rent for 1% of that would be 2000 That's nationwide. So that's just something that I wanted just to stick in your, and that could get you in trouble. I, I understand that. But I wanted to talk to you about that because there's ways that people can make money. And I feel like the church, we just... We need to be, the Bible says this, we need to be wise. We need to have what people perish for lack of knowledge. And so I believe Christians should be the most knowledgeable because we, saw, we serve the all-knowing God. Let me think God knows how to make money. And so he wants us to prosper. And I know some of you, there may be some here or watching, they may think that I'm cussing right now. And because I'm talking about money in the pulpit and that, you know, money's evil and that you shouldn't make money. And I was raised like that. Matter of fact, I was raised that in church that, you know, money was evil. And, and as a young kid growing up, I saw these guys working 50, 60, 70 hours a week overtime trying to make more of that evil stuff. And I just thought, something ain't jiving. No, it's just like everything. Money's not evil, but money will show up. It will show what kind of person you are. It'll show what kind of person you are. So anyway, um, I think money is one of the greatest things to talk to people because money talks about this. You can say, I have a need, and the Bible talks about this. You say, well, I'll just pray for you, brother, which is great. I believe that is fantastic. We should be praying for one another. Amen? Matter of fact, I see Naomi back there. I'm not going to embarrass you, Naomi, but everybody needs to pray for Naomi, all right? You write her name down. How do you spell it? I'm from Kentucky. We didn't learn spelling. How do you spell you? N. Okay, N-A-O-M-I. You write that name down, and this is what I want you to do. Every day, I want you to pray for her back that it is being restored. You understand me? We prayed that way for John is back there. John was so sick for many weeks, is that right? I mean, 
and uh, the church prayed for him. And uh, stand up, John. John is alive and well today because, amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. But that's what the church body is all about. So we need to do we need to do that for Naomi. All right. Her vertebrae, some of the discs have totally dis- <coughs> disintegrated. Am I saying it right? So you need to pray for her disc and her vertebrae to be vertebrae to be is that the right word to be totally. Rich. This is why I need people to come to church also to help me preach. <laughs> figure out words, but uh, uh, it's, if, so if you're highly uh, knowledgeable with uh, the grammar, it would be good for you to sit up front, but anyway, uh, and it's okay to laugh at Rocky Mountain Family Church, even if my jokes are really not that good, it still just makes me feel better if you, <laughs> anyway, uh, what was I saying, her vertebrae needs to be totally restored, her disc and everything about her back, so that's what you're going to pray for, Amen. You're going to do that for us, all right? So money talks. I mean, I believe it, it spoke to Stephanie's brother and, and back east. His house burned down. And, you know, we could say, man, we're just really going to pray to God. And, and that's awesome. But, man, when you can send them some do-re-mi, it, it speaks louder. I said it speaks louder. And the Bible says this, that if somebody comes and asks for you a coat and you go, well, just be warm and, and pray for them. Or what is better to that person? Hey, you need a coat? I got a coat for you, brother. Here, let me put this on you. And so when people are in need, we need to be the people that can fulfill and meet that need. I'm going to say it again. I think prayer is mightily important, but I think it speaks volumes when you can meet the need. If somebody needs a house, I think it would speak volumes if you said, you know what? We have enough money to buy you a house. If somebody needs a car... Don't, don't, I mean, somebody got choked on that. I think it should be, I think a church should be able to buy somebody a house. I think a church should be able to buy somebody a car. I think some people pay off all of your medical bills. If you owe a a million dollars worth of money, I think it should be an awesome thing for a church to be able to do that. Maybe I'm thinking too big, but I tell you what, the Lord's never just corrected me. He said, Mike, I don't know. You're pushing it, buddy. You're pushing it. I've never gotten that from him. So, you can make more of an impact by showing the love of God through your actions and your finances by just the customary, we'll pray for you. And don't get me wrong, we do do that. We do do that. But I believe it speaks louder about the goodness of God. And I'm telling you, the Bible says that the goodness of God in the last days is going to overwhelm people. It's going to cause people to go, what? What just happened? The goodness of God. I believe, but we have to be a people who believe that. You can't just say, well, yeah, that sounds good. No, 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 it's not just sounds good. God wants it to be. All things are possible to him that believes. So we need to be a church that believes that. We need to be a church that God wants us to prosper so we can do something. So we can do something. 
I'm not just looking for a big ministry. I'm not just looking for somebody, you know, yeah, we need another building, but I just don't want to have a big building. I want to have a, a, a people that's full inside of that building that's willing to be generous to make an impact on our city and around the world. Amen. Uh, and I do know this. I, I'm going to do a little warning, if I could say this. It's easy. It's easy when you start going down the road of wanting to prosper and uh, seeking money. Uh, maybe even, you know, it's easy for people to, to try to make a name for themselves. And it becomes, you know, this is the thing about the devil, and this is the thing about going down the, the wrong pathway. It's usually not, not you're going this way and you make a 90-degree turn. No, it's usually just a, a couple of degrees off center and then a few more into it. but if you take something that's just one or two degrees off it looks like for a long time they're still walking together but they're so close but they're separated and when it comes to money and seeking uh, yourself to prosper it's real easy to be a few degrees off but there's something that you just always need to be mindful of that you're going to seek God no matter what because money can come and money can go. And I'm a living example of that. I mean, I've, we have lost tons of money before. And yet, you have to trust God. You need to make sure. Young people, I know you may get excited about this series. Go, yeah, yeah. He's finally singing my song. But this is the thing. You need to make sure that God is the number one thing in your life. Come on now. I said you need to make sure that God is the number one thing in your life. Because if you start making money and God is off to, you know, you put him on the back burner, it's easy to get derailed. I've seen marriages get lost. Relationships with children go down the tubes. and just It's just a bad thing. So what, what keeps you on center? God. God. But in Deuteronomy, I'll read this to you. Chapter 8, verse 10, it says this. When you have eaten and you're full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the land which he has given you. Beware, here you go, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and you dwell in them. He didn't say anything was wrong with that, did he? He says, listen, when you build beautiful houses and you dwell in them, and when your hearts, I'm your hearts, when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. They were slaves from the house of bondage who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions in the thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gained me this wealth. Listen to me. This is a warning. He said, listen, don't ever think that your intelligence, your 
tenacity, just you, period, got you this wealth. He said, don't do that. My power and my might and my hand have gained me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he. It's who? It is God who gives you power to get wealth. So when people think uh, they just have a problem with wealth, what, what do you do with that scripture? Come on now. What do you do with that? That God gives you power to get wealth? So God is giving people power to get wealth so they'll sin, become sinners, because he's, he's given them power to get wealth. You can study that in Hebrew and any other language you want, and it means power to get wealth. It's him that gives you power to get wealth. Why? And then you keep reading. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. I got to hurry through this. I got a lot of scriptures. Proverbs eleven twenty three. This is a passion translation. True lovers of God are filled with longings for what is pleasing and good. But the wicked can only expect doom. Generosity brings prosperity. I'm going to say it again. Generosity brings prosperity. But withholding from charity brings poverty. Those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. People will curse the businessman with no ethics, but the one with a social conscience receives praise from all. Living your life seeking what is good for others brings untold favor. Man, that's good. That is so good. Living your life. How do you live your life? I'm living my life to seek what is good for others brings untold favor. I'm surrounded with the favor of God. Oh, are you? Then you should be a person that's looking for the good of your brothers and sisters. But those who wish evil for others will find it coming back on them. Keep trusting in your riches and down you'll go. But the lovers of God rise up like flowers in the spring. The message translation, verse 24, it says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. But this is what I want you to know. I don't want you to listen to this message and go, Oh, well, man, I just need to be generous so I can, I can get stuff. And that, No, your heart's wrong. This, I just, you know, I talk to God about my heart. Because I'm just human like everybody else. I can get messed up in my head just like everybody else. You know, Bible school doesn't just, or being a preacher doesn't make sure that, oh, you're always going to walk the straight and narrow and be right upright before God, you know, and do everything right. No. <laughs> anyway, the thing is this, is that I talk to God about my heart, and I say, God, I just want to make sure my heart's right, and I, and I can always stay humble before you and hear you correctly. I want to make sure that I'm teachable. Man, I tell God this all the time. I want to make sure I'm teachable because the day, that's the most quality, the best quality any Christian can have is to be teachable. It's greater than love, greater than anything else because you can, if you're not teachable, you won't learn about love. If you're not teachable, you won't learn about faith. So if I'm teachable, I can learn about everything that God wants me to know and my revelation of him a continually increase. But I talk to him about my heart. I talk to him about, you know, Lord, I just have a problem. I, I just, my prayer life is just boring. 
You might as well tell God that. It's not like he goes, <gasps> I just feel like my prayer life's boring, God, so I, I, need, I need some grace here, you know, the grace of God. Let me just say this. And everything I'm talking about and ways to make money, you may think this is too much for you. You just can't figure it out. Listen, if you get a revelation of the grace of God, the grace of God can take you to a destination you can never get there on your own. Man, that was worth coming to church for. You say, I just don't know how to do this. I just, and you keep repeating that. You dwell upon that and <clears throat> just thinking upon that. Listen, you don't meditate upon what you don't know and think increase will come. You meditate upon what you do know and what you don't know will come to you. If you meditate, I just don't know that. I just don't know that. You think that's going to help you to know that? I just don't understand real estate. I just don't understand real estate. I just don't understand about the stock market. I just don't understand. And th that, no, but meditate upon what you do know, and God can now, you've opened yourself up for the grace of God that's in you to take you to a place that you were never able to get on your own. Man, that's good stuff. It's happened in my life, in my wife's life. We've never been able to get to this place. But God, with the grace of God, has taken us there because of his grace. His grace. Your heart, having the right heart. Talk to God about your heart. Talk to him about it. Lord, I don't feel like my heart's right about money, about finances. I need, well, talk to him about it. Anything I feel negative about, you know, you might as well talk to him about it. It's not like you're going to surprise him. 1 Timothy 6.17 says this. To all the rich of the world, I command you not to be wrapped in thoughts of pride over your prosperity or rely on your wealth, for your riches are unreliable and nothing compared to the living God. Trust instead in the one who has lavished upon us all good things. Did you hear that? He said, trust in the one who has lavished upon you all good things. That is a good father. He said, trust in me. I'm the one who can just lavishly give you all good things. He said, trust in me, fulfilling, every, fulfilling our every need. Remind the wealthy to be rich in good works of extravagant generosity, willing to share with others. And if you're not, and listen, there's been times in all of our lives when we're not, we just, we're stingy. I mean, people, if you, if you listen real close, you know, it's, uh, 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 uh. I mean, they're so tight, they squeak. I mean, it's, we, we've all been there from time to time. Y'all look at me holy like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you do. We've all been like that. You don't want to give to nothing. You don't want to do nothing. You got, I've got $20, and I'm going to spend it all in one place on me. Well, that's fine. That's fine. But listen, talk to God about being tight. Some of you need to talk. Just saying. You need to talk to God about, Lord, I'm just really tight with my money. I don't want to give it to anybody. I don't want to give it to church. I don't want to give it to anybody. I don't want to give it. Mine. Mine. Talk to him about it and say, Lord, I need help in that area. And he'll help you. He will help you. God will help you. So talk to him about it. Remind yourself that, you know what? This is what I know is what's best for me and my family. It's what's best for me and my family. And then... It, in Proverbs 11, I wanted to read this in verse 26, the Amplified Version. We read it in um, a different version. 
This is about jobs. The people curse. This is 1126 Amplified. The people curse him who holds back grain when the public needs it. But a blessing from God and man is upon the head of him who sells it. You know what the principle is in that scripture? Business. Business. John and Jim were talking to me about their business. I'm telling you, you we need, first of all, we need a couple of things. First of all, we need to pray for God to, to for jobs to be, great jobs to come to Pueblo or maybe even be invented or created through you. Great jobs. You need to believe God for that because this verse it's saying blessed is the one who sells. In other words, who has a business. Why? Because if you have a business, you are creating jobs for people to get a job. God says that's a blessing. So to have a business is a blessing because when you sell things, it's going to create employees underneath you that need jobs. God says that's a blessing. Businesses are a blessing. We need more of them in Pueblo, Colorado. We do. We can believe God for that. You are blessing the community, a community by having a business. And so Proverbs eleven twenty eight. this is the good news uh, translation. It says, those who depend on their wealth will fall like leaves of autumn, but the righteous will prosper like the leaves of summer. Money talks. We need to believe that God will use us as a church, as an individual, to be a blessing. If this speaks to you. Again, I'll, I keep saying this. If it doesn't, that's all right. Don't feel condemned. Don't feel guilty. I've talked to people and they go, I just don't want to do that. Fine. Don't feel pressured. But you still should be generous no matter what. You still should be generous. Trust God. We need to pray for people to, who's believing God for a better job? I don't want to embarrass you, but raise your hand. There's one. Who's believing God for a, a better job, a better promotion? An increase in whatever you're doing. There you go. All right. Let's just believe God. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. But we're going to pray for jobs in Pueblo. And uh, I just, who, there's somebody out there that th what I'm talking about today is just like setting you afire right now. Is there anybody out there who said, man, I want to do, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to do something. This is just slapping me upside the head. All right. Here you go. Somebody throw this, give this to Tiffany. Benny, you're a husband. Get up here. <laughs> All right. Praise God. I want to read you these scriptures and I close. I'm already over. Julie, are you speeding up the clock back there? I didn't give you these scriptures because I want everybody to listen to them. Julie doesn't have them, so you, they won't be up there. These are just scriptures to write down and to read them. Psalms 37, 25, 26. This is David. He says, I was young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaking or their children begging bread. This is the thing. You know what the clue is in that scripture? This is why I teach this. You have to know you're righteous. If you don't know you're righteous... You won't be able to claim this. It won't be something that's part of your life. You have to know you're righteous 24-7. You have to know you're righteous even when you sin. You have to know you're righteous even when you mess up. You are the righteousness of God, not based upon what you do. You're the righteousness of God because of what Jesus has done for you. And if you have that revelation, this will come 
like a burning light inside of you. David says, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen a righteous person. That's you and me. It's for people who have a revelation of righteousness. I've never seen righteous their seed begging bread. It will affect your righteousness, affect your children. <clears throat> your righteousness will affect your children. Some of you out there worried about your children. If you know and have a revelation of the righteousness of God, it will eventually start moving and trans- just getting inside of your children. I don't care how rebellious they are. I don't care if they say they're atheists. I don't care what they say they are. The righteousness of God is so big in you, it'll do something to your seed. They are always generous. This is verse 26. They are always generous. This is righteous people who know they're righteous. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. <sighs> Shake my head. Psalms 112, 5, 7, 5 through 7. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news. Some of you need to quit watching it. Some of your wives are going. He will have no fear of bad news. Who has no fear of bad news? Somebody who's righteous. No fear of bad news. I don't care if they said Russia and China are getting together and they're going to attack us tomorrow. No fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast. Why? Trusting in the Lord. Trusting in the Lord. 2 Corinthians 9 11. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Sometimes, I think I preached this one time, it's been a long time ago, that the Philippian people were in deep poverty and the grace message came to them through Paul and he said they became generous, liberal, wealthy givers. And the theme that caused them to go from deep poverty to generous givers was the grace of God. They understood it. Paul was teaching it to them. There's a teaching on that that I have. But um, it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. Generosity is a powerful thing. It will speak to generations. It will speak to our city. Our city, we need people to be generous in it. Because listen to me, if, we, if you think that there, there's a scarcity of, of money, It will cause you to be tight. It will cause you to be greedy. It will cause you to see through a lens that is not godly, but fleshly. That everything's dependent upon what we see and what you do. Everything is not dependent upon what you see and what you do. We need to trust God. God is bigger than your social security. God is bigger than your employer. God is bigger than anything. You need to trust him. He can bring in money. I mean, he fed... Elijah with birds. Come on now. Who would have thought that? I don't have any food. Okay, God says, but I got some birds. I got some birds. I'm going to take care of it with you, some birds. That would not have been in the top ten of my list, how God's going to feed me. I believe he's going to get some ravens to bring me food. Nah, I don't think that would have been on my top ten. You know, drop down a, uh, 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 I can't even think of any, a chili's right here. Boom, you could drop that down from heaven, and yeah, I would have food. Who would have thought that? How about the wilderness for 40 years? In the desert, God 
feeds and takes care of millions of people without a Walmart. Who who can do that? Who can do that without a Walmart? I mean, he feeds millions of people in their shoes and their clothes don't wear out. I mean, if I've got grandkids, they wear out in days. I mean, not I mean days. I mean, forty years. And as they grow, they're I mean. Your boys, as they grow, I mean, feet grow overnight. I mean, you, wore, you went to bed, size five, get up, and it's size seven. How does that happen? I don't know, but they did. They're, the Bible says their shoes grew. Their clothes didn't wear out, and they grew with them. I mean, they didn't have any need unfulfilled. Who did that? God. God did that. So don't get so tunnel vision that you think the only way I can get money is, is my job. The only way I'm on a fixed income. The only people who fix it is you. God didn't fix it. Amen? So let's just believe God. And let's be generous. Let's just be generous. Not only, I'm not talking about trying to do this to manipulate you because they're getting ready to take up an offering. If any time, listen to me. I've said this before. I'll say it again. If any time you feel manipulated or if you feel pressured, do not give. I mean it with all my heart. Our church is taken care of. I'm taken care of. I don't, I don't, I'm not trusting people to get me taken care of or get this church taken care of. I don't believe it's smoking, but stick that in your pipe and smoke it. But anyway, um, Psalms 35, 27. That was a Kentucky came out of me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Psalms 35, 27. <laughs> oh, we do have fun in this church, though. You don't like a fun church, this church is not for you. Psalms 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. His righteous cause. What's his righteous cause? Anything that you need to do good. Anything that you need to do good. And let me tell you, it's just life on this planet. It does take money to live on this planet. Most of you have gotten that figured out by now. It does take money. And God wants to make sure that you are taken care of. And those who don't believe that or who struggle in that, no problem, no condemnation, no guilt. God will just raise up people over here to help you. We're going to do that. We are doing that. And we want to be a blessing. Who would like to get on that bandwagon? Amen? Amen? Half of you. That's good. Who would like to get on that bandwagon? All right. We want to be a blessing to people. Amen? Let's stand. Praise God. All right. We already said the scripture, Psalms 35, 27. But this is ways to give. You can give online. Just read that. That's ways to give. And um, I want to make sure that you know this. Love takes no account and of evil done to it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. That's you. You, you should take no account of the evil done to yourself. Did you know God doesn't get offended? He doesn't. Love takes no account of an evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Amen. The offering, the buckets. Is that why you're waving buckets at me? Oh, the buckets are back there. I go, what? One by land, two by sea. What are you doing? <laughs> Chris is back there waving a bucket. I go, what? What? Oh, I get it. 
I enjoy life. We need to enjoy life. John 10.10. 10. You put the Amplified, John 10.10. 10. Amplified, John 10.10. 10. Are you ready? You got time for one more scripture? Julie, do you have time for one more scripture? <laughs> Maybe I should ask you. <laughs> Our PowerPoint people are awesome. There you go. The thief only comes in order to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have, that they may have and what? Enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. See, Jesus didn't come just to take you to heaven. He came for that. This is why he came as well. That's good news. That's good news. It's okay to have an abundance. It's okay to enjoy life. It's okay. Matter of fact, God says, I'm going to give you so much that it's going to be too much, and it's going to overflow and affect other people around you. That's too much. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for your goodness, for all that you've done for us. I just pray for our minds to be renewed, for our, uh, us to have a revelation of the goodness of God, how much you love us. Help us, Lord. And, and I believe, Father, that revelation will come if there's some that are being stirred in and, and, and these areas that we talked about, businesses to be formed and come from people. We are praying and believing God for jobs to, to be born in Pueblo and to come to Pueblo. But we're also believing that they'll be born here through people that will rise up in our city to be changed for the glory of God. That people will say, that Pueblo, I, it's totally changed. I remember that town 20 years ago, and it's totally different now. The goodness of God to be on display in our city. We pray that, Father, in Jesus' name.